Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. All things Chelsea. Keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. And we're back, Chelsea fans, with our regularly scheduled podcast, just as we always do on Sunday evenings. Be ready for you guys Monday morning, and hanging out with me are both Dan and Nick. Nick, you posted a little bit of a rant on Friday to Instagram and Facebook, but I'd say it's pretty well received, huh? Yeah, uh, and you know I don't want to. I might repeat it on the show, but um, but yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go to our Instagram. And Dan, what is our Instagram handle again? I believe it's at London Blue Pod. Nailed it. So yeah, go go. Uh, let me know how I did. What about you, Dan? I mean, uh, no crazy. Uh, I guess rants, but uh, obviously you watched the game, enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it's uh, it is requisite for uh, for this podcast. So uh, yeah, I, I did enjoy the the roller coaster. You know, it was uh, cheaper than buying a ticket to go to Disney or Six Flags. So the, there was that factor. You go to Disney a lot, so uh, that's, that's a, little, a little time saver for you. There you go. I don't have to worry about traffic. All right. Well, also joining us from the Bayou City Blues chapter of the Chelsea fans over here in, I guess, you know, not Chelsea in America, but you know, a group of Chelsea fans. And I believe this in is, America. I believe this is our, this is correct. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but our first guest ever, Jesus Martinez. 
I believe so. Yeah. What's up, Jesus? Can't believe I was actually the first one. It seems like a long time. What is it now? Three seasons for you guys? Yeah, we're we're three deep, which is you know, just crazy to think about, man. But welcome back. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Obviously, we're really excited to have you after last night's victory for the Astros. Big night for you. Well, if you can't tell, I'm trying to catch up on my voice. Uh, you know, Friday, Saturday night, back to back. Game six and seven inside the stadium was pretty hectic, of course. Uh, and then the uh, the stress levels of uh, Saturday morning's match for Chelsea, screaming at the TV, just doesn't really help the whole situation. Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, on kind of a non-Chelsea-related note, uh, we did want to kind of throw it your way. Obviously, being in Houston, there has been Hurricane Harvey absolutely just terrorized the area um but you've been awesome about kind of doing some fundraising and activism down there so we want to give you a moment real quick to just talk about it and let other people know how maybe they can get involved and help out yeah thanks for letting me do that and uh for those of your list for a lot of your listeners i know that uh there's some out there and even some in england would actually which actually helped out with the gofundme that we set up for uh, some of the uh, members of our chapter that were affected and then uh, there were a lot of people, Chelsea supporters and, and Manchester United supporters, believe it or not, across the country who uh, sent stuff for our, uh, our, our food drive and our clothing drive and, uh, and whatnot. So uh, we're still doing some of that. So uh, if you want to get information on how you can uh, help the Bayou City Blues, uh, help the city of Houston and those around us, uh, just, feel, uh, just follow our, our Twitter at Bayou City Blues or you can join our Facebook page. It's Bayou City Blues Chelsea FC. And uh, we're continuously uh, just releasing new uh, information on how people can help across the country. And then uh, you'll also be able to help us uh, Thanksgiving, uh, the week before Thanksgiving. We're uh, joining up with the uh, local Dynamo supporters group. And we're going to have a, a huge dinner and event to uh, raise, uh, obviously, canned goods and whatnot for affected families for Thanksgiving. And then the following month, we're going to do the same exact thing. For Christmas, we'll do a huge toy drive for uh, the children who... Uh, whose families lost their homes during the hurricane. So just, yeah, just keep in, just keep in touch with us and we'll keep that going. But thanks to everybody who's contributed. Amazing work, by the way, man. I think we all, you know, just massive props to you for being so involved. And I know that you were out on boats trying to see if, if people needed help uh, during the storm. You know, I think the call out to, you know, especially those in America is, is the damage from this storm is going to be um, a, a year, you know, three, four, five, six year uh, rebuilding process. So, uh, just because it's not in the news right now, doesn't mean that, uh, people in Houston don't need your help. So, uh, just massive props to Jesus and, and hopefully you can get involved with everything that's going on there. Right, Brandon? Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, this does affect a lot of Chelsea fans down there. Uh, and so we want to do our part, uh, by letting all of you know how you can help and get involved. Um, because you never know when stuff like this can happen. So uh, appreciate in advance all of the love and support you're going to give. Now the pressure's on you to go out and do it. Um, with that being said, Dan, quick shift. We do have two iTunes reviews. People who want a little love from the pod. Yeah, well, they, they dropped that five-star review on iTunes. Uh, this week it was Carefree Rob C., not to be messed up with Carefree Rob B. And then David Louise, the <laughs> goat, who uh, dropped those five stars. So just like we do every week, uh, thank you for that. And if you'd like to get a little shout out at the beginning of the podcast, head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, say something witty, 
potentially, and uh, we will uh, compliment you in the uh, first part of our show. As always, and a huge shout out to Mark for upgrading his donation amount. I'll be sending you a handwritten thank you tomorrow. Again, huge appreciation for people who want to support the show. Uh, funny tweet, Nick, from at Fly the Blue Flag asking, can we please praise Mishi and assist P. Luscora and poke right. fun at Manure? All right, all right. Look, Asos Piliqueta was a gem, a diamond in the rough, uh, a piece of art. Now you've massacred it with Asos Piliscora. And, and frankly, sir, I think you've gone too far. Um, this this was my thing, and, and now I feel it's tarnished. <laughs> That's it, Dan. Nick's just worried about his legacy on this. Yeah, well, I mean, when you're, when you're putting out, uh, dropping diamonds uh, yeah. like that... <laughs> Come on. I guess you you have to be concerned. People just can't let something be, you know. I'm just, I'm just giving you I'm just giving you shit, Jeremy. All right. Well, um, the only thing that we have to say before the match review is uh, go check out the Chelsea gear, the the massive lineup the World Soccer Shop has. Uh, short and sweet, Nick. I mean, nothing crazy, nothing you guys normally do. Just a reminder to go do it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, WorldSoccerShop.com. Follow them on uh, on social as well, uh, at World Soccer Shop. And, uh, yeah, support our show. Boom. All right, well, easy enough. Um, we had a tweet as we kick off this match review from at J. Michael Heal says, Sliding doors moment. Has Watford scored those two chances that they had early in the second half? Do you feel Conte's position would have been under threat knowing how Chelsea's board have essentially acted in the past. Uh, Nick, I mean, before we even get into the result, this could have been a completely different game than how it actually ended. Yeah, I mean, we will, yeah, we'll get into the specifics here, but uh, Jay, Jay's right. I mean, uh, Watford missed two huge chances um, to go up uh, by two and three goals at the time, and it would have been incredible um, to kind of see how, how that would have unfolded. However, I guess I will start off um, this podcast with a bit of my rant from Friday, which is when when the media puts out stories that Antonio Conte is unhappy or his family didn't want to move to England or that you know he has one foot out the door and that he really wants to be back in Italy and you know players aren't happy and all this stuff and then the fans start tweeting about it. Um, all that does is feed this rumor beast that exists in the media because they need to you know, sell papers and that's, you know, that's part of their job and we're not, we're not dissing them for that. But I think my, my stance on this is don't feed that narrative anymore. Our board has been erratic in the past, especially as it comes to managers. There's been massive player power within our squad for many, many years because they've been so successful over a period of uh, 10 to 15 to 20 years. So my, my ask to all fans is that you let the season play out the way that it should. And if the results aren't good enough and the team goes down the shitter and everything goes to hell, then that's the result. But we don't do ourselves any favors by feeding into that and, and making it making something that could be, you know, a misquote in the paper into the end of Antonio Conte's reign. So that would be my plea. Don't do it. Let's let it play out. Let's let the players do the talking on the pitch. Jesus, what about you? Do you think Antonio Conte is literally a couple more losses away from potentially getting the axe? I think given the, uh, the, the track record of our club, especially with Roman Abramovich, 
it's not far-fetched to say that, you know, he's on the verge of two or three more losses of getting next. I mean, this could have been our, this could have been our third straight loss in the league yesterday. And if that would have happened, then something would have, you know, obviously erupted, not just within the uh, locker room, but within the club. And of course, you know, stories like the, the one Nick was speaking of would have, you know, had validity to them. I don't think we need to read too much into it, only because I, I feel this is one of the only times where I can say, since Roman's been uh, our owner, where I'm comfortable enough that he knew that the club did not do enough to support their manager with the transfers that he wanted in the summer. And it's already even been said that he was truly upset that Marina and Emanalo and the rest of the board did not not only support, but really go and fight for the players that, you know, that, of course, Antonio Conte wanted from the very beginning. And I think what we settled for was, we I wouldn't call mediocre players, but they weren't the players that I, I would assume were uh, anything less than panic buys. Uh, I do believe, though, that unfortunately, if, if something does happen and we don't uh, turn around our form, uh, I, I can see uh, true talk of Roman Abramovich and the board letting Antonio Conte go or ver- on the verge of going. Look what happened to De Mattel. Look what look what happened to Mourinho. It, it, you know, look what happened to uh, you know Ancelotti back in 2010. It, we're, we have a track record of it. And yesterday's performance, even though we won 4-2, still has some worries for uh, not just the Chelsea supporters, but even the players and the manager themselves. Dan, I heard an interesting kind of idea about Roman Abramovich and that he, and I know Conte has been uh, frustrated with how inaccessible Abramovich is. And what they said, I think it was on Sky Sports actually, is that Abramovich on purpose distances himself from the managers as to not get too close. So if he does need to pull the trigger and ax him, um, fire Conte, he doesn't have that personal relationship that kind of blurs his vision. It's definitely an interesting philosophy, and it's uh, you know it's why they also uh, in most corporate structures uh, encourage uh, you know not a lot of uh, outside of work activities kind of in that nature, and uh, it makes sense. Uh, you know, hopefully there is some attachment to a manager that uh, won you a Premier League title in the first season, being insufficiently backed in a summer window. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the real question, though, I mean, you know, we're talking about a sliding door moment, you know, where where's Gwen Paltrow in all of this? Uh, because was she, is she a Chelsea supporter? Does Jay know something we don't know? And like that probably de- deserves some delving into at a later point. Well, maybe we'll save that to rotating topics later. But but until then, <laughs> um, obviously we're talking about Watford. It was a Premier League match. It was at Stamford Bridge. In case you missed it, Blues 4, Hornets 2. Now, Dan, lineup time. We had a lot of discussion going into that, specifically who would be in our midfield. And Antonio Conte really, I don't think, gave us too many surprises. No, I, I think uh, one of our followers, a uh, uh, loyal U.S. fan, um, or USU fan, kind of commented saying that which of us was the most excited that we got Murata back from the healing hands of Christ and that we also saw Pedro start ahead of Willian. And uh, I think everyone 
was happy to see Murata's name on the team sheet, uh, but you know, maybe not necessarily happy with the performance. So we'll get to that later. But Courtois, Rudiger, Luis, Cahill in the back. Aspilicueta moves up to the wingback position. Zapacosta benched and Moses out injured. Fabregas, Bakayoko, not next to N'Golo. Marcus Alonso on his other side. And then Pedro, Morata, and Hazard at the starting lineup. And then we saw a little bench action of Mishi. William, Musanda, Christensen, Zappacosta, Willie C, and Ampadu. Ampadu. Also there, too. Little Ampadu. Little, little Louise. I'm pumped for Ampadu, especially that tackle he threw in on his debut. Uh, he's got a ton of potential. Uh, but, Nick, anything yeah. kind of that stood out to you this from the lineup standpoint? Anything you wished you saw that you didn't? Yeah, I mean, really interesting. Um, to have Dave out on the right again uh, at right wing back, I don't, I don't think he's been super successful in that role in the past. Um, he's obviously a great defender, but um, you know, I don't think it's a great sign for Zapacosta, um, honestly, who um, you know has been passed over for multiple starts um, now, uh, multiple times. So there's that. I mean, I think that David Luiz, you know, possibly being hurt starting over Christensen was interesting and then Cahill starting again um is uh you know I think I think uh Antonio Conte is just laying the marker down saying that Cahill is going to be there from from the start so um yeah very interesting kind of configure configuration but excited to see Pedro get minutes and and clearly that worked out Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I mean, Jesus, I was kind of surprised as well, like Nick was saying, that Christensen didn't get in just to give Luis some minutes. Um, obviously, I think that we knew Bakioko was playing not at 100%. But again, I was really surprised Zapacosta didn't play in favor of pushing Dave out wide. I figure Zapacosta would have started in this one. Uh, when he come in in the last seven minutes or so of the match, and he looked, I mean, even in the short time that he had, he looked, he looked, he played well to me. I think uh, there were a couple plays where uh, Dave, who to me is still my most underrated player on that squad and probably in the Premier League, uh, there were a couple times where he got caught, lost his man. But nothing, you know, nothing to concern ourselves with. But uh, I think the whole thing with Bakayoko is he's not been the same player or he's been caught off uh, more than often uh, since the uh, Conte uh, injury. And I think that's the, the best. That's the best that we see out of him is when he's playing against Engolo uh, Conte. But I think that Buc- I, mean, I think Bakayoko still has enough in him. I mean, he, it's not that he's making any drastic mistakes. He does belong in the squad. I think he does belong to be, you know, deserve to be a starter. But how long even will that last if uh, his form doesn't improve and uh, we get a uh, drink water finally uh, back from injury and you know, and he starts to make a name for himself in that, that same uh, central position. All in all, I think. Uh, the, the selection is the selection is is that we just don't have much to select from if you want to say it that way I, I think Conte's just playing with what he has and if he's switching players from one side to the other and you know it's just it's just tactics that he's trying to change to keep the team on their toes and to, obviously to uh to find any bright light and with any risk he can take to improve the form over the last month absolutely his options are becoming less and less uh, available for him but you know hopefully we turn the corner get some bodies back all right goal time and it was a goal fest today so nick 12th minute pedro with a banger from top of the box even shouts already for a potential goal of the season contender 
Yeah, this was incredible. I think Pedro uh, came out with a fire on Saturday that uh, that we haven't seen from him in a little while, and uh, I think was truly trying to to make his mark and cement his place uh, as one of those attacking three. Um, so you know this this was our classic three four three, and you know a little bit fortunate to get the corner that led to this goal. The ball clearly went off Hazard. Um, to uh to lead to the corner and, and it was given anyway so that that's a bit unfortunate for Watford however uh, short corner Hazard plays it to the top of the box a nice curling effort from Pedro who postage stamps that thing right on the uh on the post and it goes in beautiful start much needed relief and uh and certainly came off um you know the the first half I think Chelsea played pretty well um given our recent run of form well, don't uh, don't end the half too soon. Unfortunately, Dan, forty seventh minute into stoppage time of the second half, Ducouré leveled with it was literally the last kick of the half. Um, unfortunately, just Chelsea didn't clear the corner kick. Yeah, it was definitely a moment uh, feeling like you had run into the half and had established it well, had maintained a really strong lead. We're going to go in and then come back out, uh, you know, kind of kill the last 45 minutes and walk away with three points. And uh, we didn't want to do it super easy. And uh, credit for uh, Decore, who, you know, went until the last whistle and uh, less credit to our defenders and uh, keeper who maybe got beat on the uh, very near post in that goal. Uh, right. Well, halftime, uh, Chelsea came out ready to go until 49th minute and Pereira found an unbelievable amount of space um, inside the box, like one-on-one right in front of his face, Jesus. I mean, obviously he wasn't going to miss from there. There's no way he was going to miss that at all. And that just, that just goes to show that the, uh, the back, the back line, once again, uh, with a uh, lack of communication and, it was when I saw that I was like, "There's just there's no way he's gonna miss." And I, and I mean, you have to give him credit, and I think it was rightly deserved because the whole match to that point, uh, Pereira had already been giving our uh, our wing, I mean, like a lot of stress, not just him, but I mean, if you include uh, Pereira, uh, Pereira, the uh, Corre, and Dini, all game long while all three won the pitch at the same time, they created so much trouble and so much space. That's why Pereira and the Corre were able to move so freely down the middle, but. Great goal, great effort. Even I, you know, I have to be unbiased, and I think he was totally deserving of that. But I think our uh, our players are better than that, and I think our team is, you know, deserves more than uh, the effort and the lazy effort actually defensively that we saw in that goal. It was like schoolboy defending. Everyone was pulled out. No one had any shape. And point out that is their wing back, and I don't think that our wing backs were really ever in. Watford's box until we kind of threw everything at them at the end of the the end of the match. Well, and can I say on this goal too? I mean, we were we were texting in the in our, in our group chat about this. Uh, Bakayoko losing <clears throat> losing the losing track of the ball, uh, lazy touch play. You know, it's you know kind of dribbled back towards his own box. Really lazy effort from him to even track back. And, you know, when you watch it on replay, it makes you insanely mad. And I'm sure Antonio Conte is showing them that piece of film over and over and over. You can't make that mistake in the Premier League. And our back line didn't cope with it, obviously. But that started with a really lazy piece of football from Bakayoko. And that's what I was speaking like. He, 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 once again, he, you know, it's, it's, he feels more comfortable having N'Golo Conte next to him. 
And that's not typical even before he came to Chelsea. He's actually better than that. But it was just, like I said, it was pure laziness. And it's frustrating to see that from uh, professional players in the Premier League. And you do that in the Premier League, it doesn't matter if you're playing Manchester City or Brighton. You're going to have to pay for those types of mistakes. Unfort- you know, I, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And then kind of started this next, you know, 20 minutes of Chelsea just not really producing anything. Um, we had a couple subs that happened. And then 71st minute, Mishi, the super sub, Batshuayi, buries his near post header. Tying the game, Nick, at that point, bringing some life back into the team. Absolutely. He was uh, a massive difference maker. We, I'm sure we will talk about him uh, a little bit later on. But for this goal specifically, it was a proper striker's goal. Um, you know, saw if you watch the movement on it, he was uh, behind two defenders, uh, kind of edged his way around uh, and saw the opportunity, struck it well. Nice curling header into the side netting. Um, beautiful, beautiful moment. And I think gave the team a lot of confidence, Dan. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people, obviously, with the way that Mishi has, has played, you know, at least in his last uh, match or two here, uh, didn't fill people with a ton of confidence, especially watching, uh, you know, Murata kind of make way for him to uh, make a go at it. Uh, but, man, oh, man, you know, he uh, was definitely deserving of, 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 you know, calling out EA Sports to get a little bit of a bump in his uh, his card and see if he can get a little inform there. I mean, this just solidifies he's a goal box poacher. I mean, that he has to be in the box to score. Um, 87th minute, though, assist Piliqueta turns into Golasso Piliqueta. Suck it, Nick. Oh, boy. With a great Come on. Come on, the guys. Post, we can do better than this. Come uh, on. Just poking the yeah, bear a little and bit. A nice little, <laughs> nice little ball kind of into the, the box area there for William. And you know, after he had made it on. You know, this is uh, this is what he does. You know, he is you know vice captain for a reason. Uh, captain when you know Cahill makes a mistake and puts himself out of a couple matches, and you know definitely embodies what it means to to be a Chelsea player. And you know, this actually was his seventieth consecutive league start. Um, Lampard holds the record at one hundred sixty four. There was a an R slash Chelsea FC Reddit uh, note there, but that was. Pretty pretty exciting to see Jesus. I know uh, you talked about him being underrated, but I think that's what he can do, and he, he just chooses the right moments to, to make an impact. If you had to ask me like who the most important player is, I mean, you know people are always going to say N'Golo Conte, obviously, you know, because he does so much. But to me, there's just nobody more important that does more and gives so much to that club than Aspilicueta at this very moment. He's going to be the future and we can obviously, if we keep him around, which I hope we do, he is going to be your future captain. Not just that, his name is going to go up with the you know in the ranks of the Tamlings and the Dennis Wises and the and the uh, Kerry Dixons. And I'm and I mean that by those were the kind of players that gave the heart and soul to this club. And you know, watching Espelicueta when he plays, you can you see that there's so much determination and passion. And not just that. I mean, I never really read into players kissing the crest, but I just, I loved it yesterday when he scored that because it, it meant so much to the team, especially because, you know, after the last month, he ran to the fans, he kissed the crest, and you just you can just tell that this club means that much to him and the opportunity that he's been given. And, I mean, 70 straight uh, starts in the, in the league, that's, you know, 160 is amazing, but 70, that's, that's up there, like, and that's one of the most difficult things to do in modern football. Yeah, I mean, that's almost two full seasons in a row. Uh, so, absolutely. I mean, doesn't get injured, is super reliable. Um, 
love, love everything that Dave gives to the team. Uh, 95th minute, uh, Jesus Batshuayi taking advantage of Watford's defense falling apart, and he got his brace, and apparently he only scores late in matches, I guess. I think we have a reputation for doing that uh, since uh, the Atletico game, don't we? I mean, it's just scoring late and just pulling it in uh, at the very brink of the uh, match, keeping all of us on our toes. But you see how he fought for that ball to the very end. I mean, it, it, and it bounced in. You know, he he beat the keeper to it. Well deserved. I mean, he's the guy that I'm always so torn about. But you're right. When he's in the box, he's going to score, and and that's exactly he's, he's a poacher. But every striker is different, and every, you know, there, and some strikers are the best ones know when to be inside the box in front of the goal to get the goal. Typical. Let's compare him to like Chicharito. Used to do the same thing. And, you know, I mean, we have to give him credit. You know, even those of us who criticize him, he's done well and he took opportunity on this match. Awesome. Well, uh, let's go ahead and continue our deep dive into this match. Uh, kicking it off, Dan, coming at you with this one. Uh, what did you make of Chelsea's approach in this match? Obviously, you know, the lineup, the formation back to 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, but even more so, I was just kind of frustrated that Chelsea didn't start the match the way they ended. I felt like if we would have been pressing Watford from the beginning and we would have kind of been pushing our outside mids slash wingbacks at them and kind of pinning them back, that this match would have been completely different. We wouldn't have been on kind of the back rope for most of the second half. But I guess with all that being said, like, what did you make of kind of the approach, at least at the beginning of the match? Yeah, I, and you, you say that, and I, I definitely wish that this team were capable of that type of press right now. I, I just wonder, and you know, I think when we had you know Jason Cundy on earlier in the week, and he talked about the team kind of being a a yard off it at the moment. You know, I think that physical status right now, and you kind of pair that with the fact that Antonio Conte says they're doing about seventy percent less training right now because they're combating. You know the the midweek matches, you know two to three matches, kind of in a, a week span. I don't, I don't know if they could press for that long. Uh, I think it would just be you know especially with some of the issues with uh, Louise kind of coming out playing injured. Uh, there was one moment I think it was later in the second half where Gary Cahill, David Louise, and Bakayoko were all limping at the same time with one substitution left, and you're wondering. Well, I, I wonder who's actually going to potentially come out of this match because, uh, you know, that there's not a high level of fitness right now. You know, you look at Murata also, you know, kind of clearly probably not where he wants to be from a physicality standpoint and Hazard getting back to full fitness as Pulquetta having played 70 matches in a row in the league without getting a rest. Like, I, I just don't know, Nick, if there's enough uh, physical status to, to press for a full, you know, 45, 50, 90 minutes to, to make that happen. I think we're, we're more defending because it's a necessity for going the full 90 right now. Yeah. I mean, I think you're obviously right. The math tells you that you're right. Um, we, we don't have enough players, um, to, to really be able to do that effectively. And specifically, we don't have enough depth in each position, you know, should something crazy happen, um, to, uh, to have a like for like replacement. So, I think I think there's just a bunch of things going on with this. I mean, overall approach, though, you look at how Chelsea played with the ball in this game specifically, and I think it was really sloppy at times, and I think there were, there were moments of the match where you started to see 
the trademark brilliance in and kind of the interchange come back, which was really exciting to see. I mean, uh, we haven't really had that very much uh, in the last few matches, and that was with Murata being pretty much taken out of the game um, and Hazard being kicked around the pitch uh, mercilessly. So uh, I think there were a couple of things that I looked at in the match that I'm like, Ugh, that was terrible. Um, specifically a lot, a lot of our defending. Um, but I think overall the approach was, um, uh, was pretty solid. And you know, guys, to be fair to Watford, you know, we, when we spoke about this in our, in our group chat as well, they came to play. They weren't afraid of Chelsea at the bridge. And I think, I think uh, Cesar Espilicueta said that during the week, that teams are not afraid of Chelsea right now. So Chelsea have to go and make them afraid again. And the only way to do that is by playing really nice football and, and not conceding really stupid goals. Jesus, what do you think about this? Kind of, you know, the approach, how they actually executed on the on the field, how much credit do you give to Watford? What do you think? We have to give, I think, a lot of this uh, conversation needs to be where we're giving Watford the credit. Uh, look, they came off. They came off a really good win against Arsenal, <clears throat> and they came to Stamford Bridge. And like you said, they're not afraid. Nobody's afraid of Stamford Bridge. Nobody's afraid to play Chelsea anymore. And at least not right now, to, to where they were last year. So Watford and Marco Silva had them very well prepared for this one, and he took advantage of of the uh, of having the wings exposed on our half, and having Pereira, Decore, Dini, who I mentioned earlier. Just push and push and push. And the one thing, and I don't know if anybody noticed this, and, you know, listeners, I mean, if you even noticed, but one thing that stood out to me, if you really watched the game, was Marcus Alonso was on our half of the field more than he was attacking. And that's very uncommon for Marcus Alonso at times because Marcus Alonso is aggressive. He likes to push. But he was a little bit, uh, I guess you could say, uh, I guess timid to do so. And I was skeptical as to why. Because I, I was expecting him to, keep, to continue to push on those wings and add pressure and be aggressive. And right now we're not aggressive enough. I think we, we've had such a bad form that our team is too scared to push so much that they're afraid to make mistakes. And that's not a good sign. Conte needs to switch that around. It wasn't until William came in for Marcus Alonso where I finally started to see more of an aggressive play. And, of course, that's what I love about William when he's off the bench, that he actually can change the game and the, uh, and the aspect of our, of, our, of our game. And it wasn't until then that I saw a change. But this, it's, it's, it's a lot of concern, but I, the credit for me still goes to Watford, and they deserved more than a 4-2 loss. That scoreline really doesn't give them justice. Ooh, ooh, I did. I noticed that. I put it in the script, actually. Uh, Alonzo not getting forward. And Dan was nice enough to put in Chelsea's average position and pass map in here. And Alonzo is pretty far back. Azpilicueta is essentially in the attack most of the time. Um, but he's behind Bakayoko, who's our farthest uh, midfielder back. And so I think that um, that just goes to show you. And, you know, Jesus, I think one thing to think about is Alonso is one of the guys who's played almost every single minute of every single match this season. I mean, surely that's got to be catching up to him. It is. And of course it is. And and, and that's without a doubt. But at the same time, we there are other players who go through the same. And I get it. But this is a match that, you know, I, I understand you've played every minute. I understand you've, you know, you've, you've continuously pushed yourself. But this was the match to make the... Uh, to make that 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 statement that we're we're not who people think we are, we're not afraid, we're, we're not in bad form, you know. Okay, maybe a couple of weeks, but here, uh, the great four two win. But 
I still was surprised to see how far Alonso, and that's that's really what caught my eye yesterday, and I, I I'm still confused to what that uh, the tactic was for that. All right. Well, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know I I go back and forth whether how much is it fitness versus squad depth versus tactics um but we'll, we'll just have to see i mean another another midweek match this week right like there's no breaks there's no stops so we just got to keep going um jesus kind of continuing in on this how much credit do you give antonio conte for the subs that he did make in this match obviously he brought michian quite a bit earlier than he normally does uh ended up coming in from Murata. Then obviously William and Zapacosta later in the match. Um, but what did you make of of? Because um, I mean, William has been playing that well, but he doesn't really have any other options. So did he just get lucky? William decided to flip on the switch today, or do you think it was a little more premeditated? I actually think it was premeditated. I think that, I think that the uh, substitution was made right when it needed to be. But um, it was an early substitution for uh, when Bachuali came in from Morata, and I was actually surprised. I, I mean, I guess there was still something, you know, concerns with the injuries and whatnot, but. Uh, Mitchell Bacuali is one of those guys you sub in but you, do you ever notice guys that when you sub him in too late like less than 10 minutes in the match you're really not going to see the best of him as a, as, except for last year when we, uh, when we played West Brom or as opposed when you bring him on earlier and you let him get his momentum going and he's and he's that physical I mean that's something I mean you, if you give him the chance to just play at least 25 minutes in one game at the end of it he's going to he's going to get his momentum he's going to warm up and that's exactly what he did yesterday Played it perfectly, took advantage of it, and then of course we we go back to William. William needed to come on. I actually expected him to come on for Marcus Alonso a little bit earlier than that, and I think it would have worked out the same way, but later than I thought. And then of course Zappa Costa coming in, who I'm still a fan of. I doesn't do a lot, doesn't really get enough credit for you know the runs that he makes, and especially the you know if you ever see how much he tracks back. But I think they were. All premeditated at the right time, at the right moment. I think Conte started reading the game better when he knew that we were falling into moments of trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I would add to this and say, you know, we we have we have built in like uh, Antonio Conte has built in trust in these players, and he's even said that after the match today. And he likes to trust them for as long as he feels like they can do the job. I think he saw that Morata was struggling today, um, and 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 just made the change because nothing nothing Morata was doing uh, was was having an impact. And unfortunately, you know, he had a couple early fouls that were not called, and he he was psyched out of the game from that point forward. So he has to work on that and, and get better and adjust to the Premier League. Um, but you know, it it, it kind of leads into uh, one of the tweets of the day that we got, Brandon, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure this was directed specifically at Dan, but at Lab North, tweeting at us saying, not so much of a question, but a comment. Our striker situation feels like an M. Night Shyamalan script with almost <laughs> predictable 180 plot twists. Yeah, I don't know. You definitely get a rocky moment, though, when uh, Mishi comes in. You know, just you don't think he's going to potentially be able to kind of pull it off. Then he comes in and makes it happen. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of movies we could use to talk about this season, and uh, <laughs> that could be a whole other show by itself. But I think huge credit, I think, goes to uh, Antonio and his substitutions. I think they were all spot on. They all had an impact on the match, and 
even kind of weird saying, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to pull Pedro out. You know, it was kind of Pedro had been playing, I think, extremely well in the match. But, you know, Zappa Costa came in and added that little extra spark that got us, uh, you know, Cesar's goal. So, uh, really, really nice work from, you know, Conte, especially, you know, has he's kind of been under a little fire for maybe either selections or, you know, the timing of the substitutions. And I would say that Lab North is completely right, Brandon. I mean, we think about what we were saying about Mishu last weekend versus this weekend, and it's literally been you know seven whole days of Mishu's not good enough, Mishu can't get the job done, to Mishu possibly saves you know a, a big uh, part of our season. And, you know that all happened in seven days. So I, I think that he's a hundred percent right. Uh, well done, Alex. Let's not let's not understate this. I'm pretty sure Mishi just saved Conte's job in Chelsea's entire season. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, let's let's not overstate it. Like oh, I said okay. at the beginning of the fucking show. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. No, but I mean seriously, I think it's situational, right? Like, think of all of Mishi's goals. He's maybe scored one outside the box, and you know that's where he thrives. And we were getting the ball in deep to Watford's territory and able to get service so you know again I think it's situational and if Mishi can get opportunities inside the box he's gonna have a really good ratio but just to wrap this up uh, the Mishi sub for Murata was in the 64 61st minute 68th minute William came on for Alonso and then 86th Davide Zapacasta came in for Pedro Uh, Pedro crushing it a goal and assist shout out to him maybe maybe even later in the main of the match we'll see I don't want to spoil that Third question I have for you, gentlemen, Nick. Chelsea have now scored seven goals in two matches, but have also conceded five goals. Which of those two things is more important to you? Conceding. Um, Because I I think we look back to last year and we had this stone-cold confidence that teams... Uh, you know, would rarely break through our defense, that it was so watertight that um, that our attacking trio could really just do their own thing um, independent of what the the midfield and the defense were doing. Uh, this year it does not feel like that at all. And, you know, in times, you know, you see the whole collective moving forward and, and playing some really attractive attacking football, but in those same moments they are not prepared uh, for a counterattack and for a team that has largely Jesus built uh, a reputation on counterattacking it's amazing that when it happens to us we're just not ready for it I figured that just like you said it somebody a team that's as good as counterattacking as we are but that's the problem is uh good counterattacking teams aren't the best defensively because you're counterattacking so much that you leave yourself exposed and not set up defensively for when you're when the when your opposition does the same to you, I really uh, I really believe that to me the uh, that goals number against is the biggest talking point because we know we can score we've seen it this season, and but we also know we can defend. So what's going on this season that was different from last year? Is it the fact that Ngolo Conte we don't have anybody that you know can really take his place? Is it the fact that everybody seems to think that David Luiz is not the same player he was last season, which I don't think he is defensively, but, you know, it's, it's, it's give or take, you know, you can take your poison however you want, but that defensive number is what's concerned me so much, and it's not good, especially if we want to contend that, you know, for a top four spot, because at this point, the conversation of uh, retaining the title is not shouldn't be even brought up. It's about staying in the top four and having Arsenal and Watford literally right on your heels. 
Dan, I mean, we're I, I look. I know you love goals, so I'm just gonna go ahead and answer for you that you're <laughs> pumped that we've scored seven in two. Uh, I am pumped that we've scored seven. I'm also pumped that they're coming from. Uh, different types of players too you know that we're having uh, Mishi score Pedro score Hazard um, you know it's nice to see that the uh, shooting boots as they were are uh, being placed back in the locker room and all the players are now lacing those up instead of the uh, I don't know the the fluffing boots maybe you know where they, they're missing their shots so uh, that's nice but I, I do think you know the difference between you know, a, a city or a, a Tottenham versus a Liverpool is, uh, you know, they can score and not concede. And, uh, you know, we need to be more like the former and less like the latter when it comes to, you know, the the quest for top four and then also the desire to, uh, you know, advance further in the Champions League because we're not going to uh, get much further by shipping goals. All right. Well, I know we haven't done this in a while, but I want to go ahead and since he is in the spotlight in the last few weeks, uh, one word to describe Mishi Batshuayi. So, uh, Nick, Mishi Batshuayi makes you feel blank. Confused uh, is my word. I I don't know how to feel. Like He can absolutely be a top quality striker. Uh, I don't know why he is so inconsistent. So that's that's my word. Confused, Dan. How does Mishi make you feel? Oh, I, I would say uh, I, I was going to use confused, but I'm I'm going to alter it just a bit because Nick took that and say perplexed. Um, similar meaning, but I definitely think that there's uh, two sides of Mishi right now, and I think maybe Jesus hit it on the head. Where as a sub with 25 minutes or 30 minutes in the match to make a difference. Uh, really might have a sweet spot there, but uh, a full ninety doesn't seem to be where he is, uh, you know, the most able. But you know, we've also had so much rotation where certain players are not there to provide him service that that might be a uh, a poor, you know, poor litmus test over the past few games. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, Jesus, do you have another uh, word to, like confused for Mishi or uh, what is it? How does he make you feel? Used. Yeah. <laughs> used he uses me because i give him so i give him so much shit on social media but i don't do it to disrespect our players i do it because you know there's moments where like west brom and moments like you know the recently where he's just scores at the most beautiful moments and they just make you erupt and you cheer and then he goes in another month or two where he's just nobody non-existent and i feel used i feel like a uh I feel, yeah, I like like I feel like like a woman feels used by a man. How about that? Because I mean, he's playing with my emotions, man. He's playing with my emotions, but I love it. And you know what? When he scores, I'll celebrate. But I'm also going to be one of the first ones to criticize him when he's not, you know, stepping up like he should have last week, or you know. But yeah, I feel used. That's nah, understandable. Uh, you know, for me, it's a little different. I think that uh, when it comes to Mishi, he makes me feel just. Um, I, like indifferent I don't know it's like you know what he can do you don't know what you're gonna get out of him and so I'm just kind of like well I'm not gonna go in with high hopes I'm just gonna see what he does and if he delivers I'm be pumped I'm gonna celebrate but if not uh you know I don't want to be too hard on him and and get too upset but we did get a question from at tosser of coin Dan saying the differences that you saw from Mishi today versus Palace 
Uh, good runs into the box. Uh, he also had, you know, threats as well. Uh, you know, when you think about having Pedro on one side and uh, Hazard on the other, you know, the threats were, were there and they were engaging the, the Watford defense in a way that, um, you know, he wasn't kind of getting that support in the in the Palace match. So a uh, Palace match, I think everyone had a really, really bad off day. This was one where I think he came in, uh, found good space, was where he needed to be in the box, uh, met the ball well when it came to the cross. So I think uh, just tactically a little more astute in this match. No, I think that that that's pretty much a good sum up of that. Um, Nick, what about the man of the match poll? Now, real quick, I think it's kind of interesting that we, between the three of us, post this man of the match poll because we all have access to the account. And then two of the first three responses are yourself, Nick, and then Dan. <laughs> like, well, In, indeed, because I didn't post it, um, and I was just reading responses from people and just kind of astounded. So. Um, the the man of the match poll uh, for this week the the uh, votes are in and Batshuayi Antonio Conte making the man of the match poll Pedro and uh, Dan uh, maybe a little Richarlison action um, there which is uh, Dan's funny way of messing up the poll um, <laughs> so the the votes are in and fifty eight percent went to Batshuayi for his brace. 23% went to Conte, 13% went to Pedro, and 6% went to Richarlison for uh, missing two sitters uh, that would have effectively ended the game. Uh, however, I must make a plea in this poll. I think that there is zero doubt in my mind that Pedro was man, the man of the match. He was the most impactful player on the pitch for us, uh, scored a blinding goal, had an assist, and uh, and generally, we're not in the game for Batshuayi to uh, to get his goals if if Pedro hasn't done all the hard work up to that point. So come at me, bros. Dan, get him. Go for him. Defend your pole. Oh, I mean the Richarlison one. Uh, actually, in researching for the podcast, there was uh, talk, and he had had an interview where he talked about David Luiz has invited him over to his house, and you know they have barbecue. Um, Richarlison uh, also a Brazilian player, and uh, apparently David Luiz has told him the one team he can't score against is Chelsea. Now, whether that was him speaking something in the truth, whether it was just a joke, we may never know. Uh, David Luiz might actually be a wizard. Uh, might have put a hex on him uh, at these Brazilian uh, meat cook-offs. Uh, may have poisoned his food. I'm not sure. But the almost hat trick that never was from a Charleston uh, definitely deserves some recognition. Jesus, who does your man of the match for this match? SP Laqueta? Did I guess it? Uh, for this match? No, actually. Neither Bashuawi. It was Pedro. I think you need to play more than 25. Uh, actually, I'll give Bashuawi credit. He, he did play close to 30 minutes. But I mean, Pedro... You know, the entire game he was in was the one that created space, made the runs. That spectacular goal. I mean, come on, that's that alone right there. That If he doesn't score that goal that early, we could be talking about a different scoreline. It changed a lot, even though we weren't that great in the first half, as we should have been. I mean, Pedro just literally changed the game for us from the very moment, it, from the start until the very moment he was subbed off. And I have to give it to him, I mean, hands down. That's my pick. Yeah, no arguments here on that one. So as it stands, uh, Chelsea are up to fourth place behind Man City on 25, United on 20, Tottenham on 20, and then Arsenal 
flirting with the big boys at 16 points as well. So Chelsea edged them with uh, a goal difference advantage. And uh, Liverpool are still dwelling in ninth. Actually, they dropped down a couple places after getting pummeled by Spurs today. Um, that's how it stands. Obviously, you know, it's not where... We're in a good situation right now, all right? We're still knocking on the top. You know, Chelsea were 11 points up at one point before we ended up winning the title. Uh, that shrunk down, but at the end of the day, um, you know, like Jesus said, top four is where we absolutely have to keep ourselves for now. So, uh, so far, so good. Um, I think we're going to head over to some social media questions. Uh, before that, real quick, uh, Dan, the holidays are coming sooner than we expect. The Christmas crap is already out there to be purchased where can you go to get your holiday gifts? Well, you're not you're not heading to Target because they don't. Believe, you know, it's like three holidays are happening at once. There's like Halloween, Thanksgiving, <laughs> and Christmas are all like have just. Yep. There's a hybridization that happened, but you know, World Soccer Shop understands that there are distinct holidays and that you should appreciate them in the right fashion. Uh, so scare yourself up some great deals at WorldSoccerShop.com oh, now no. for uh, some wonderful Chelsea kits. They also have all the third uh, the third kits, and uh, you've seen them wearing it during the Champions League stuff. Very cool. Oh, Dan. The puns are, are too real. WorldSoccerShop.com. Uh, go find yourself some some nice merch. And then, uh, you know, send us a photo of it, and, and we will retweet it. All day, every day. But we got questions. Uh, the first question is coming from Mark because he submitted it through Patreon. So he goes to the top of the list. He says, hey, guys, I just want to say it was great beating Wofford. But my question is, what's the future of Eden Hazard at Chelsea? Uh, Nick, no real reason to, for him to ask this, but I still think it's an important question. Obviously, Hazard being probably our most important player. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see after this year kind of what uh, what's in the works. I mean, there have been rumors for about the last uh, six to nine months that an, a, a really, really nice extension was in the works. Um, so, I, you know, obviously you want him to stay. He's He's one of the... You know, consistently for me, he's one of the top ten players in the world. Uh, you you absolutely need those types of players on your squad if you're going to do anything big. Um, you know, th- there's a reason that West Ham is always going to come in eleventh because they have eleventh quality players. Uh, we, you know, if we have ambitions for for you know top four and then obviously to be champions consistently and to go deep in the Champions League, uh, we need him and. Uh, you know, let's just hope that he uh, he starts really getting back on form uh, in the Premier League. Dan, what about you, man? What do you think about Hazard's future at Chelsea? I mean, he's he's talked in interviews before, so I, I mean, he seems to be very family oriented. He seems to enjoy playing for Chelsea. Um, I think I think he's going to be here a long time, and I think it's just a matter of using the financial might and resources that Chelsea has to you know make him appropriately compensated for the work he does, and and the other part is to put around him players that are going to help him challenge for not just domestic but uh, international glory, and I think that's going to be the big thing. It's it's not really about uh, I think it will be about you know getting paid appropriately, but I think it's also about. You, know, you want to be next to people that work just as hard and are just as talented as you and who will challenge you to be better. And I think, you know, acquiring someone like, uh, you know, Murata, you know, does that, um, you know, even, you know, Sesc, Pedro, 
uh, Courtois. I mean, we, we definitely have some players that, you know, are, are kind of of that caliber or maybe, you know, just, just a little past that caliber, but they were at some point in their career. And I think it's just finding uh, a couple more of those to be a part of this squad. So, Jesus, I know that probably having a small Belgian contingency helps with Courtois and Batshuayi, but I feel like if we have some more transfer windows like this and Hazard, Eden doesn't feel like the club are matching his ambitions, look, we know why he came. He came 100% to win the Champions League. And if he doesn't feel like that is going to be attainable based on the players they bring in, that's where I think the potential cracks could form. He, that, that man could go anywhere in the world and play on a team and win the league year in, year out. He can win domestic cups. He's already done that. I think, yeah, you're completely right. If we don't provide him with the players that, you know, if he doesn't see us or the, actually the club taking it seriously, not provide the players that, are, that it's going to take to get him his first Champions League, then I would be confused about him moving to a Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, PSG, whomever. But it's going to take at least another season or two because I truly believe he is committed to this club. He loves the club. He's said it before. He loves the fans. He loves the players. And he's always one of the first ones smiling when you see those Chelsea social media Snapchats and Instagrams. You know, he's always one of the ones joking around. So he's he's happy where he's at. And he is a humble guy. But even the most humble of people, when you want to improve and there's something that you haven't achieved and you're not going to achieve it where you're at, then you're going to look for the next best best thing. And I think we are at least two years away from making a serious run in the Champions League for before he decides, you know what, I think it's time to call it a wrap. I'm getting older, and uh, my chances are going to minimize after this, and I need to go somewhere where my last dream can come true. Awesome. Let us know what you guys think on social media, of course, or you can always email us as well. Uh, but moving on, Dan, really weird. I had no idea that the back four idea would be so popular. You had... Uh, at Nathan Allen 20 on Twitter, you had Real Trigger and Zachris on Instagram. Um, at CFC Jagdad 2010, at Sal LPLS, Phil Tran, even everyone saying back four, four, two, four, pushed out of the wheeze up. I, I don't know, man. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I think it's probably because our, our midfield is uh, rather depleted, but you know, if you're playing, uh, you know, the four kind of up top, I guess, I guess then you're playing, you know, uh, I'm trying to like draw out a four, four, uh, four, two, four in my head. And I mean, I just don't know if that really kind of suits it. I mean, a two or maybe Conte is back there with, you know, more aggressive forward player. Um, maybe, I mean, Nick, do you feel like we have either the top, I don't know if we're that top heavy. And then I don't, I think maybe we could, we could support a four at the back. I don't know if we could support a really great attacking four in the front. Yeah. I, I don't like the four, two, four, um, very much because I, I just don't think we have the personnel right now. Um, especially right now, but even if we had a full healthy squad to support it, um, I would be, you know, if we're going to go th- you know, four at the back instead of three with the wing backs, I would be much more in tune with like a four, three, three, because I feel like we do have the, the personnel to kind of max that out. Um, but it does narrow our squad again. I mean, if you think about the, the Mourinho days, you know, our squad played very narrow. We didn't utilize space on the wings very well. And that's where Chelsea did a lot of damage last year. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm a little, 
you know, I know like everyone thinks that we have to change the formation and maybe we do. Maybe that's Antonio Conte's magic solution this year to kind of get everything back on track and and win a little bit more consistently. Uh, I think I struggle, you know, even if you're going to put Dave at, at right wing back or at right back and um, and Rudiger at left back or Alonzo at left back. But you don't really have a left back, which is kind of not great. And then, you know, getting any sort of midfield three right now is uh, incredibly challenging um, with all of our injuries. Uh, you know, we kind of know who the three out front would be uh, as of today. But, you know, I, I don't know. And. The other thing is, like, if you're going to play this formation, Jesus, and, and the primary reason you move to a 4 4 is so that Mishi Batshuayi could play with someone up top, is that a good enough reason? I don't know. Well, who are you going to – I mean, the question also goes, well, who, who are we going to play up top with them? I mean, we're, we're, we don't want to risk uh, uh, playing Marata, do we? I mean, with an 11.30 kick – well, 11.30, my time. I apologize. 5.30 kickoff on Saturday. Or do we risk uh, – playing Hazard up top with them or the question goes uh, what, what's going to be the formation I truly think he's going to stick to what to his guns keep on doing a 3-4-3 you know something similar to what we've played uh, and the only changes we're going to see be, you know we're not going to see a change in style of play we're just going to see the change in, in you know certain players and uh, some of the younger guys coming in but at the same time do you think it's even that important for us to even Play our our best in a in a league cup match when uh, we have so much more coming up. You guys just spoke about it. We have Champions League still. I mean, we still have uh, you know weekend matches. I think at this point, it's up to Conte to decide what's important to play for and what's not. And even though we're playing Everton, I mean, who you know tends to not play that well against us lately, I think that he's gonna go ahead and just play as weak of a squad as he can. Because sadly enough, I don't think he's the kind of guy to crash out of a tournament on purpose. But I don't think he's going to care enough if we win or lose. And I, to be honest, I, 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 I feel ashamed to say this, but I don't know if I even care if we advance or not. So I think he's just going to play, uh, stick to his guns, but with the weaker squad and rest his stars for Saturday. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And the, the other thing I'm thinking of is Conte actually said in his post-match uh, kind of co- press conference that He's like, I didn't change the shape. One of the reporters asked him, he's like, we stayed the same formation. So in his mind, he didn't even play 4-4-2 or 4-2-4. But, you know, maybe that's just semantics. Another question from um, Ahmed underscore Helfawi saying, do you guys think that Courtois should come out more for high balls? He's always on his line and waiting for the shots. I just see that he could easily fist away or punch away a lot of the crosses and high balls. Uh, Nick, as the goalkeeper, we should probably take that one. What do you, okay, so do you want me to say what I really think and then you come in with unequivocal sure. support for what Courtois does because sure. it's, it's the goalkeeper's <laughs> union? Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to do our song and dance here. Um Yes, he should come out more. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, I think if you're waiting for a goal to be scored on you, it's going to be scored on you. Um, the dude has like a seven foot wingspan, and there's zero reason except for fear of contact that he would come out. So that's my answer. Awesome. So my opinion is <laughs> yes and no. Like, of course, there's always opportunities you think he should come out for, and he probably could. Uh, and then there's other opportunities that he may seem like he should but there's a lot going on that are really good reasons uh he shouldn't i think one thing to point out is 
I think our defenders are clearing less crosses than they did last year. So one thing could be that he maybe is just used to everything being handled with last year. So instead of him complicating things, he it, it makes sense to let defenders deal with the you know the initial cross. Now that's not happening this season and maybe he just hasn't made the adjustment yet or he's waiting on them to get it. But I think that is something that the defensive line and the goalkeepers need to figure out how they're going to approach it um, because the way it's going right now, it's not where it needs to be. I don't know. I mean, Nick, does that make enough sense to like not completely protect him? But I think that there are some reasons maybe why he's not. Well, sure. And, you know, again, like, We've seen a lot of contact in the boxes here. You know, I know that referees are trying to crack down on on some of that stuff. So, you know, there, there's certainly a reason. You know, if he comes out, that he could be, you know, scared of injury or whatever. But, um, you know, I think if you're trying to protect yourself from an injury before it happens, you're going to end up getting injured. So, um, yeah, just just my thought there. It is situationally dependent, but of overall, I think yeah. Ahmed is is dead on. All right. Well, uh, another one. R. Kelly. 39 we know who that is uh jesus they want to know is it safe to say that pedro should be getting more minutes especially if it's over william i think uh, well obviously i mean he's already been getting more minutes at this point of the season and i think continue if he continues to be where he's at in that form he has to be the guy getting most of those minutes in that in that side of the field uh william as much as i love and i know you guys do too uh, i think william has been doing if he continues to uh, come off the bench and play like he did uh saturday i think it's just going to go ahead and make it more difficult for him to uh win that spot that starting position back because i don't see pedro letting it go and quite frankly pedro is to me once again he's like he's just consistent enough where he does make a difference and I'll give you guys a quick stat, and I don't know, you know, another one for you. In, in 2017, no, not one player in our squad has been involved in more goals than Pedro, and that's 21, 12 goals and nine assists in 2017. So that just goes to show you how important he is. And I, I to this day, I'll defend him to keep to maintain that that position over William, and let William just come off the bench if needed. Damn, Jesus bringing the stack game to the pod. Welcome back. Stat bomb. You know, yeah. I, had, I, I felt that uh, I, I haven't provided any stats, and I always like providing stats in the past and other shows that I've been on, and I was like, I got to throw this one in before uh, my time's <laughs> up. It was, it was a- excellent. Excellent dropping of the stat, too. Really well done. Thank you, sir. Uh, I didn't even – I just randomly threw that to you. I didn't know you had that in your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the right moment. I was like, "All right, the Pedro day is gonna come up. When, when are we gonna do this?" And then I was like, Boom! There you go. There was a there, I lo- there was a few other stats I could have used earlier, but we'll save those for another time. Per, we got time. Don't even worry about it. Uh, Dan uh, from Instagram, Trina Chase saying, "The last few games we looked like the away team playing against stronger opponents. They pressed us, and we made mistakes. How do we break that habit?" You know, we look, look like the team that has uh, players that go out on international duty who are playing full matches, who are playing multiple matches a week, and who don't have the depth to rotate through effectively. And I, I think that's more the challenge that I'm kind of foreseeing right now and we talked about earlier. I think it's a little bit of rest. I think it's rotation of players. And, you know, I think even subbing people, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier than you normally would is a little bit of that break. And to the point that we'll get into later, and and we talk about the Everton match in the midweek and what Jesus said earlier, uh, I think we'll start to see some of that rotation uh, this week. 
All right. Uh, back to Twitter at the Gaspo asks, will Kennedy possibly get a shout with the way Alonzo has been playing? Uh, Nick, how has Alonzo been playing? Not very well um, would be my answer to that question. All right. So what about Kennedy? Do you think that he is in the running for left wing back? Do you think that he could do a job? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I do think he can fill in. I, you know, he's definitely not ready to start. Um, uh, every match, but you know, you certainly look at the Wednesday match against Everton, uh, which we'll get to in a second, as a, as a really good opportunity for him. You know, the the risk that we have in every position because we're not very deep as a squad uh, is, especially in Alonzo's position, is that you know he gets injured and then we're really up shit creek. Um, so, you know, I think Antonio Conte is going to have to be really strategic with the way he uses Alonzo and uh, and maybe uses Kennedy or Dave uh, as backfill for for that position. All right. Well, the uh, last one we've got uh, is from at Crump cornerback saying, are we out of the title contention? Seriously, we can't expect to play like this and get lucky in the last couple minutes against top clubs. Uh, Cole, man, you're right. Of course not. You know, we saw that. Man City we played. Um, it, you know, are we out of the title contention? Look, City looks to be on fire. But who knows? Maybe they go far in Champions League and they have to sacrifice, you know, some of their league form. Maybe there's a lot of things that happen. You know what's crazy? It's only match week nine. Uh the season is still surprisingly young. Uh and there's a lot that can happen. You know, I said it earlier. Chelsea had a nice big lead uh going into kind of the final stretch. Points were dropped. Other teams, you know, you kind of get excited about the chase when you're in the running. So uh, no, I wouldn't say we're out, but I also wouldn't say it's the focus right now. Again, Chelsea aren't in the lead, so they just need to worry about themselves one match at a time, get the three points, and build because it's going to be uh, a slow kind of progression and kind of race for us at this point. Still 29 matches to go, man. So, I, I you know, let's talk again in January and, and see how things are going. Uh, but with that being said, uh we are going to preview Everton, but real quick, everyone, if you don't know by now that we are going to London and you are invited, Nick, tell them to come crawl out of their cave. We got we got something exciting going on. Hey, everyone, come crawl out of your cave and, uh, and you. <laughs> enjoy enjoy London with us. Yeah, so we're going. Um, the deadline to sign up for our December trip, which is inclusive of the Newcastle and Atletico Madrid home matches in a span of three days, uh, is uh, is coming up on November 1st. So, uh, you know, th- it'll be a trip uh, that will start on, on December 1st, uh, go through December 6th. You'll have a chance to go see two matches at the bridge, which is a great value you have a ton of extras that you're able to uh to do only through our trip um including you know we're, we're in the middle of setting up our, our pub meetup with uh with Stanford Chidge and the Fancast crew and a bunch of our journalist friends so uh all that is included in the trip Dan and uh how can they find out more about where uh where we're going yeah, uh, you can find out uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at London Blue Pod. You can also find out on www.londonbluepodcast.com forward slash London Trip. And Nick, you mentioned the Chelsea Fancast crew. Just a thought to throw your way: What if there was a crossover podcast that had both the London's Blue crew 
and the Chelsea FanCast team side what, by side. What? What if, what if that was a possibility? Yeah, I mean, it's something it's something to think about for sure. And, uh, you know, there's your wink moment. There it is. Obviously, guys, we know that it's a lot of money, but it is 100% worth it. Uh, I, you know, in a second, I'll pitch it to Jesus, who's been obviously to a lot of games and the fact that you get Newcastle with uh, Rafa Benitez coming back to the bridge I can tell you that environment is going to be electric Uh, obviously Atletico Madrid in the Champions League unbelievable but you get a shirt right that you only get a London is blue shirt for if you go on this trip we're looking at doing some other stuff as well Um, but you know ask us questions please reach out to us hit us up Twitter Facebook Instagram email no matter how you can get a hold of us do it we will respond but Jesus I mean uh, talk about an experience of actually going to Stanford Bridge and watching Chelsea play in person Especially with, if it's Rafa Benitez's return, you, you know it's going to be electric, like you mentioned, and, and in a very, uh, very hot way. But I mean, you, there's, it's, it is the mecca for uh, us as Chelsea fans, right? It's going to Stanford Bridge, and if you've never been, and especially if you get to go hang out with these guys, uh, which I know you'll have a good time. I've had a few beers with uh, Nick in the past. Just a few. Just a few. Yeah, not too many or, or shots or anything. So yeah, it's yeah. fine. I promise you, your very your very first visit to Stanford Bridge, if it's if it is your first, is going to be the most memorable moment of your life to that very very exact moment when you walk in. You know, if it's for the tour, if it's for the match, it doesn't matter. But watching the match and sitting in Matthew Harding or sitting in the shed, you're truly and genuinely going to never forget that. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and uh, roll into Everton as we're you know back to the League Cup. Another one at Stamford Bridge. I tell you, I can't remember how many like times we played at Stamford Bridge in the last two months. It seems like we're getting a lot of friendly draws. Uh, it's going to be this coming Wednesday, October 25th. And a uh, quick question from Instagram, Dan, from, again, Tarek, who went to London with us last May. Yeah, uh, he kind of asked right now, what's the best way to train for and line up against Everton in the midweek League Cup tie? And, uh, you know, we talked about uh, much earlier in the show, but I think, uh, you know, some players like, you know, Zappacosta, uh, maybe even, um, you know, comes in, maybe Aspilicueta, you know, to keep that streak of 70 and take it to 71 straight Premier League games played, gets uh, a few minutes of rest here. Uh, I think Christensen kind of going in for Louise would make a ton of sense here too. Um, you know, Cahill seems like he's probably going to play every match this season uh, that he does not get himself suspended out of, Nick. So uh, I think there's <laughs> definitely um, some rotation that should occur and thankfully will occur against the Everton side that is in, um, you know, you want to talk about crisis at Chelsea. Uh, if we're a crisis, that is... Uh, uh, nuclear apocalypse moments for uh, Kuman and the boys. Dumpster fire. If you think about the 15-16 Chelsea season, which you know still gives us nightmares, they're in that exact moment right now. Um, so it'd be great to just kick them while they're down. Um, really, uh, really ratchet up the pressure on Kuman and uh, 
and really get the business done. I would I would look for William to start. I would look for Batshuayi to start. Um, you know, maybe bring in Musanda for a full appearance again. You know, I think the the, the front three will rotate in a little bit. Um, the midfield, God only knows if Drinkwater is going to be healthy. You know, there, there will be rotation. Kennedy was a good shout. So, uh, you know, let's just hope that, you know, the, the squad that plays on Wednesday uh, gives our, our regular starters a bit of a rest and that uh, that they're able to go at the weekend. I would like to see Willie Caballero come in uh, personally. Uh, see. You know, I think that he could – I think he played the last time in the Cup. So I know Courtois has been playing most matches, but this would be good for uh, Caballero to stay, you know, somewhat match sharp. Um, I did see, obviously, after the match today, Drisa Gay uh, it will be suspended. Can you confirm, Dan? Uh, I can't confirm. He did receive uh, a double yellow uh, for one. The second one was for a pretty – terrible tackle uh so it got red carded out he'll miss his next match and uh, that just happens to be the match against us i mean jesus these guys literally haven't won since they played bournemouth on september 23rd uh it's been loss after loss Abe. uh and a couple draws you know to be fair they drew brighton but they lost to burnley and got pounded by arsenal today it's goes to show that uh, if, the, if, if people think like you get to high center, there's pressure on Conte and Chelsea. Imagine Ronald Koeman and the Everton players, especially uh, with the today's performance was just horrible, just completely horrible for them. And I, I, I that's why I feel confident of no matter who we play on Wednesday or uh, in our squad, they're in they're in shambles, way worse than you know we could ever imagine to be. So I still that's why I feel comfortable. Whoever we play, we're gonna get that win. Uh, I, I just hope that we do rest, uh, you know, our, our, our good player or the right players for Saturday. But uh, I mean, they still have some guys that are going to be out too. I mean, uh, Bolasi is out to injury. Barkley's out to injury. Funes Mori is out to injury. I mean, you're talking about three players who have, who have been consistent for them uh, last season and this season. So uh, I mean, they they still have their own injury concerns. So it it's, should be a good test for Chelsea's youth if, if they get the chances, especially Bacuawi, take advantage of this. Uh, and uh, I just can't see us not winning this one uh, as much as I was talking about earlier, not putting too much emphasis on it. I just don't see us not running away with at least a three, you know, zero win at the most, you know? No, for sure. And, you know, uh, Everton have been going out of their way to feel weakened teams in the Europa League. So uh, they are having depth issues. Absolutely. Um, it's only going to play to our advantage. And I would say that our reserves our subs are gonna be better than everton's for sure uh so make sure you guys check that out uh get your meetings uh scheduled in advance block out your calendars figure out how you're gonna be sick is it's gonna be another afternoon kickoff over here in the states uh hit up nick at nick verlaney on twitter uh for any excuse you need he's got them ready yeah, I'll have a random excuse generator going, um, and we'll just uh, we'll just start cranking out these excuses, guys. Will, will you sign? Like, will you notarize like a note or something, excusing me to miss work? Yeah, I'll, I'll create one of those fill in the blank letters um, <laughs> for you, and uh, it'll help kind of make that whole transition easier. So awesome! Well, thank you guys uh, for that. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up uh, a little bit longer, but nothing short of quality. Anyways, final thoughts, Nick. Go ahead, man. This isn't fifteen sixteen. It's not, okay? I'm yelling because it's just like we, we play into this narrative. Don't play into the narrative. Play into what's happening on the pitch. The end. All right. Well, quickly transitioning to Dan, your final thought. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I said it a couple times in the podcast so far, but uh, Antonio Conte got it right, uh, even though the match seemed a little bit of roller coaster moments. Uh, had, a, had a strong lineup, made the right substitutions at the right time, which, you know, he does get criticized for. So, uh, Antonio, Antonio, Antonio. All right. Uh, Jesus, uh, also, uh, want us to just say thank you. Uh, it has been far too long since we had you on. We will do it again this season. I'm putting that on Nick. Um, but what do you have in general for Chelsea fans? Look, I know that everybody's you know afraid, especially that we're nine points off the lead in you know Manchester City. A uh, couple key losses here and there. But at the end of the day, just don't give up on don't give up on Antonio. Don't give up on the players, and even the players that you do criticize. You know, this is a time where you, as a fan, just need to just step up and you know actually defend the players as well because it's not get, it's not getting easy. And you know what? We still have Champions League, which I'm very uh, excited about, and I'm very confident. So let's just make sure that no matter what happens this season, let's continue to support the club and the players because they're the ones out there giving us, you know, the, the reason to show up at the bar or at the or at the stadium to support the team and the colors that we love more than anything. Absolutely. We're going to end on that. Uh, big stuff. Big week ahead for Chelsea. Uh, make sure you stick with us. We will take you through all of it. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop... Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.